After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Now go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, that is such a familiar story, isn't it? We have all probably heard that since infancy, almost every single Easter But I'd just like us to take some time and have a think about what was happening. The earthquake. Wow, I don't know. I've never been in an earthquake, and I I suspect some of you have. But this news, this news of the risen Christ was so big, so amazing, that the earth shook Creation was finding a new relationship with the creator. And the earth could not contain that news. And so there was a huge earthquake. And the guards, they fell down as if dead. I can't help thinking what happened next to them. They must have woken up, realised Jesus had gone. What would you have done? Would you say, wasn't anything to do with me, Gov? I didn't do it. I I was knocked out. Or would you grab this news? Would you say, yes, Jesus is alive. He has risen. And there your life might change forever. And the two Marys, they came in grief. They had been there throughout the crucifixion. They had seen it in all its horror. They had seen that Jesus had been deserted. They had seen the guards casting lots for his clothes. They had seen their beloved Jesus die. 
They must have had such broken hearts. And Mary, who this was probably Mary, the mother of Jesus, came to the tomb to anoint his body. She must have been so full of grief and pain. And she was bringing it again to Jesus. Mary Magdalene, whose story we know, she was the one who was rescued by Jesus, who poured oil on his feet. She knew something about the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus. And she was bringing her broken heart that morning as well. And they, they met Jesus on the way. It's amazing, isn't it, that his first words were those of love and forgiveness. The same as his last words on the cross. And he, he wanted to meet the disciples in Galilee. That motley bunch of no-hopers, frankly who had deserted him, who who weren't able to be there as he was tried and crucified. Peter, who had denied him. And yet these were the men he was sending to Galilee to start his church. These were the men that are responsible for you and me being here today. That is some forgiveness. That is some empowering. And Jesus himself, risen. So while it's, it's really good to look at the, the characters, it's the fact of Jesus greeting people after his death. Risen with his wounds, but risen and forgiving and enabling all of creation to have a new and better relationship with God. And so knowing that, we can rejoice with all of God's people that he is risen in our next song the greatest day in history. Reading from the book of Acts. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, 
and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Thank you, Carol. Well, I just want another quick show of hands on who's eaten a chocolate Easter egg so far this morning. Come on, own up. Oh, come on, there's more than that. Okay. Do you know, there's a couple of connections between Easter eggs and, and, and Easter. And, and, uh, the, the, and, and here are two of them anyway. There might be more. One of them is that an egg is a place from where new life springs. And of course, Jesus rose from the dead. New life sprung up on that first Easter morning. There's one connection. The other connection is that an Easter egg is usually hollow. And... That hollow egg reminds us of an empty tomb that was found on Easter morning because Jesus had risen from the dead and he had departed. So there's a couple of connections with Easter eggs. The important thing, though, is that as we saw earlier, when the women came to the tomb, they found that Jesus was no longer there. They found that he had risen from the dead, that Jesus is alive. But what does that mean for us now, years later? What does that mean? Well, a couple of things I'm going to pull out of that reading Carol just read. The reading's a little bit complicated, but there are two very simple things I'm going to pull out of it. The first one is in the very first verse of that reading, where it says that God does not show favoritism. God has no favorites. That's point number one. God loves every single person just the same. And you know, that's quite hard for us to understand because as humans, we tend to have favourites, don't we? We tend to love our families, our husbands, our wives, our children, our brothers, our sisters, what have you, a little bit more than we love the neighbour down the road or somebody else, even though God asked us to love everyone. He said, love your neighbour as yourself. But we do tend to have favourites. But what I thought we'd do is to just have a think about this a bit more. If I could have a few volunteers. Now, I'd like a couple of children and a couple of adults. Could I have some hands up for some volunteers? Um, okay, we'll have, we'll have you. Okay, why don't you come up? And uh, yeah, David, why don't you come up? Okay. And, um, and a couple of adults. Okay. Um, Sarah. Now, come on, adults. We need another volunteer. Yeah, up you come. Okay. Up you come. Now, if you just stand in a row here, you stand here, Sarah. Okay. There we are. And if you'd like to stand there. Um, and your name is Matthew and Sarah and Julie and David. Right. 
Okay, here we go. Now, you see, I've got four people up here. They look like wonderful people, don't they? I'm sure they're all wonderful, but I'm thinking about whether any of them would be God's favourite. Okay, now, I've got a theory that these two, these first two here, could be God's favourite. Because Jesus said, on one occasion, let the children come to me. He, was very, he loved children. And, and, and on another occasion, Jesus said, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you need to become like a child. And so I think possibly David and, and Julia here could be, could be God's favourites. David, do you think... That out of the four of you here, do you think you would be God's favourite? Yeah. <laughs> Never work with children or animals. Right. Sorry, no. You think you would? Shall I test him? Why is that, David? Uh, <laughs> got him. Got because him. I'm really good at football. Because you're, you're really good at football? Okay, they're right. Okay. Do you, do you, think, do you think you would be God's favourite? Yeah. You do? Oh, doesn't, doesn't work this, does it? Why would you be God's favourite? Because I'm good at everything. You're good at everything? <laughs> Sarah. Now, Sarah, I'm, do you know, I'm having another thought now. I think maybe Sarah is God's favourite. She's a lovely person. She's so helpful. She does so much around the church. She, I, I think she might be. Sarah, do you think you're God's favourite? No. Oh, Sarah. I like Sarah. Uh, Sarah, why don't you think you're God's favourite? Because I, I feel I don't do everything right. I'm not a mm. good person, and I, oh. I feel I sin. Right. Well, that's, that's very thoughtful. That's very thoughtful, yes. And Matthew. Matthew, sorry. Matthew. Um, Matthew, do you think you might be God's favourite? Might there be a reason why you would be God's favourite? I sincerely doubt it. You sincerely doubt it. And why would you doubt that? I've, I've been known to misbehave. You've been known to misbehave. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, but you know, it's. I it, oh, don't do that one. Um, it's. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because you know, I mean, please also. Be aware that just because I'm a vicar, I wouldn't be God's favourite either. It would be quite wrong to think that as well. And one of the reasons is what, is what um, both Sarah and Matthew expressed um, just now, which is that actually we don't feel good enough, do we, to be God's favourite. I know all the wrong things that I've done in my life, but the wonderful news is, the first thing we just learned from that, is that God, Peter tells us in this thing, God has no favourites. He loves us all just the same. We'll have a little think about that a bit more. Thank you very much for coming up. You can sit down again. Thank you. And there we go. And now I'm going to come on to a little bit to the reason why we shouldn't necessarily feel bad about ourselves. And that's in the very last verse of this reading we just heard. Because in this last verse, Peter's speaking, and he says this, that everyone who believes in Jesus, receives forgiveness. Everyone who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness. That's amazing. How does that happen? Well, of course, that is what the whole Easter story is about. Because Jesus, in God in his love, sent Jesus to sacrifice his life on the cross in order to take 
the pain and the punishment and the shame that we all deserve for all the things that we've done wrong in order that we could be set free from that and forgiven. And so everyone who believes in Jesus is forgiven. That's the wonderful good news. And the really important thing about the fact that the tomb was empty and that Jesus didn't just die and stay buried. If Jesus had just died and stayed buried, he just would have been a good man who died. But because he rose from the dead, and because Peter and loads of other people saw him alive afterwards, we know that the cross worked. We know that the cross was effective. It, that we are forgiven if we believe in Jesus. And that is the really wonderful news. God loves everyone. He has no favourites. He loves everyone the same. We are all forgiven. All who believe in Jesus are forgiven. And Jesus rising from the dead is proof that that is true. And so what we can do now is, I thought we'd just, so that we all remind ourselves that we are forgiven, is that we'd use the words of this baptismal creed that, that's next on the service sheet. It's, it's, it's quite common, actually, that people are baptised on Easter Day. We don't have anyone this morning being baptised here. But this is the creed, the statement of belief that we say when, when we are baptised. So I'm going to ask three questions. And, and if you feel able to say in these questions that you believe in Jesus, then you can know that you are forgiven. So let's affirm together our common faith in Jesus Christ. Do you believe and trust in God the Father, source of all being and life, the one for whom we exist? I believe and trust in him. Do you believe and trust in God the Son, who took our human nature died for us and rose again. I believe and trust in him. Do you believe in God the Holy Spirit who gives life to the people of God and makes Christ known in the world? I believe and trust in him. This is the faith of the church. We, the f- faith. We believe and trust in one God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.